I would suppose first you're going to ask me my name and go, go through the whole go through the whole business here. Okay, so um, so for the readers who don't know you, just introduce yourself, please. Hi, uh, this is John Draper. Uh, just one moment, please. Mm -hmm. uh, time. I'm in the middle of an interview right now. Suddenly, you know. Okay. So, all right. Start the recorder now. I'm ready. Okay. Okay. This is John Draper. I'm also known as Captain Crunch. Uh, coming from the whistle, which came out of a Captain Crunch cereal box, and that whistle emitted a tone that is con that is the same frequency as a tone being controlled by AT&T long lines. Mm -hmm. This. Uh, this uh, whistle uh, was used to make long-distance calls. The way it worked is you'd call a toll-free number, like uh, an information operator number or an, a number like an 800 number. And then if you wanted to dial three, you'd do the whistle, doot, 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 three. In fact, guess what? I will actually give you a live demonstration of a Captain Crunch <laughs> That's whistle. That's great. <laughs> here is the Captain Crunch whistle mm -hmm. right here. Mm -hmm. I see. Now I don't. I have to put my finger across a hole, uh -huh. right there. See, there's two holes, mm -hmm. right see. there. This is a hole right here that you have to glue up. So when I want to dial one, I go one, two, three, four, and that's how I would dial a number. So I go. I dialed two one three five 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 one two one two using the Captain Crunch whistle. You would dial a number like this, and I would blow at the twenty six hundred. That would go ching a little noise, and then I would just be a raw, empty, white noise trunk, mm -hmm. and then I would just use the whistle. Mm -hmm. uh, back around the uh, the late sixties, the phone company switched their system over to multi frequency tones, mm -hmm. and they were bragging. That multi-frequency tones are uh, are much faster because they complete the call much much faster because mm -hmm. they're using a combination of two tones out of six. Mm -hmm. And so I don't I couldn't I can't demonstrate those tones because I don't have a blue box with me. But mm -hmm. uh, I don't know whether they're Ill, uh, in California they are illegal to possess. I am not mm -hmm. sure that this is still true. Mm -hmm. I would I would I would suppose so because laws are very very hard. Mm -hmm. change back. When it's set, it's impossible to repeal a law. It stays that way forever. Mm -hmm. So by doing that, you, you use what is called the blue box. A blue box is nothing more than a tone-generating device. It's got a little acoustical coupler, which is a little mouthpiece. Mm -hmm. uh, not unlike the little earphone thing I have on my, here, in my head here. Mm -hmm. And I put that up to the mouthpiece of the phone. And I would dial the number. You'd have to dial the, You'd have to key the 2600 tone first of all. The 2600 tone is then uh, is then used to uh, to clear down the line, just like the whistle did. And that whistle, uh, once the line is cleared down, then the trunk is is uh, accepting the tones, and then you just dial. You have to dial an opening tone first, called a key pulse tone. Mm -hmm. And then you follow that with the number, mm -hmm. and then a, and then a start tone. The reason being is that is that you have to know how many digits are sending because the toll trunk can can accept ten digits, seven digits, three digits, mm -hmm. or six digits. 
and even five digits for some overseas trunks. And so you had to have the opening and closing tone so that the system would know how many digits to expect so they knew how to process the call. That's called the blue box. Mm -hmm. I got famous for, for basically spending hours and hours and hours and hours <laughs> dialing up all these different ra random numbers in the blue box. Using a blue box, now there, there's two different levels of, of uh, you mm -hmm. might say, uh, uh, access to the telephone network. Mm -hmm. One is a normal subscriber level access. Mm -hmm. you, you subscribe to the phone service, you have your phone, and then you can dial numbers on your phone. Mm -hmm. That's subscriber level. Then there is what is called tandem or trunk level access. Mm -hmm. That access is what the operators use. You mm -hmm. can think of that as just getting root access to, an, uh, to a Unix system. Mm -hmm. Okay, that gives you a lot more power because you're not you're 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 actually getting more direct into the into the long distance switch. You're you're controlling the long distance switch yourself. Mm -hmm. But when as a subscriber, when you dial a long distance call, the long distance call is 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 basically processed by your local exchange. The number is then recorded, uh, and a, a call attempt is made, and then once the call is completed and the person answers the phone. It mark is made on an AMA tape, which is just this punch paper tape. And then when the call is done and hung up, that ends the call. And it timestamps the beginning of the call and end of the call and the number you dialed and the date and time so they know how to bill you for the call. Okay. Then after the AMA tape, after the AMA records your number, then and only then it goes through and makes that connection to the trunk on the back side. You know, you never hear that. Sometimes, a long time ago, you could actually hear those multi-frequency tones come out over the line. And very, very faintly, you can hear when you make a long-distance call, sometimes you could actually hear that way back in the 60s. Mm -hmm. Now the system's totally changed. They changed over to what is called CCIS, Common Channel Interoffice Signaling. What that means is the signaling is now done over a separate wire pair than what you use to talk on. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that's how the system works. I was able to call all kinds of access codes. Mm -hmm. I was able to call into the Vancouver 2111 test line. There was another line, 1121. You dial 6KP604121, and you get a recorded. And it's an operator training tape. It says 5 cents, ding, 10 cents, ding, ding, quarter, gong, and repeats that over and over and over again. Let the operator get familiar with what it sounds like. It's an operator training tape. So when an operator is not familiar, with what it sounds like when you put coins in the phone, this little recorded tape will give them the mm -hmm. uh, information they need to, to identify the way it works. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's pretty much the historical aspects of Captain Crunch. Uh, later on, as time went on, I met Steve Wozniak when he. Mm -hmm. I, I did an interview on KPFA in Berkeley. Steve Wozniak saw the interview. He also saw the Esquire, Esquire magazine article. And he says, oh, my God, i got to go find out about this. He went down to the Stanford Library and obtained a copy of the Bell System Technical Journal. This was before the, the, the phone company required all public libraries to pull that document. Okay. That document basically bragged about how efficient the new, the new system worked, how you can make calls really, really fast and calls go through really, really fast. Because... Back in the days when 2600 was being used, just for signaling, it would take a long time for the call to process because it has to redial everything. In this case, it just, uh, it's as fast as touchstone. It just goes through instantly. Okay, so then what happened? Steve Wozniak basically built a blue box, but he didn't know how to, didn't know how to, uh, how to use it. But he mm -hmm. happened to have heard my interview on KPFA. He called KPFA, 
And the person at KPFA said, yeah, I, I, know, I know how to reach John Draper. I'll call him for you. So KPFA called me up and told me I, uh, that they had this called UC Berkeley student mm -hmm. who just built a blue box, and they wanted me to show them how to use it. Well, mm -hmm. of course, that raised all kinds of flags. I mean, mm -hmm. who, how, how was I to know this wasn't just a setup to get busted? Mm -hmm. So at the beginning, I says, well, I really respectfully decline to meet this person because I'm afraid I, he, he might get there. But Alan was his name, and Alan told me, Trust me, he, he is a really cool guy. I met him before. You can go, you can go to, you can go visit him at the UC Berkeley dorm. Okay, so I go down, I go down there. I park my car about five or six blocks away. I walk on the UC Berkeley campus. I go to the dorm and I met Steve Wozniak. He had about five or six people there in the, in there in the dorm, and he had his blue box, and he showed me how to use it. Well, when I look, he, he told me how he built it. The blue box was using square waves instead of sine waves. Mm -hmm. And that was bad because if you put square waves and mix two square waves together, you have what, you have what is called an IM intermodulation distortion. Mm -hmm. And that intermodulation distortion can be detected and picked up by the phone company as, as a bogus call. So it took quite a few times to get the call to go through. You had to hold the earpiece a certain distance away from the phone to get it to, to, get it to couple just right. Uh, and you couldn't directly couple it into the line because it wouldn't work at all. Because the earpiece itself actually rounded the, the square waves and made it just enough of a rounded square, a rounded sine wave to actually work. But you had to, it would work maybe three times out of a, out of trying ten times. Ooh. Okay. So it, it wasn't very accurate. I mean, it wasn't very good. <laughs> so he after fiddling around with it, but he got it to work. And for him, it was just an intellectual exercise. For Steve, Steve had no intentions of wanting to rip off the phone company. He just thought it would be a novel idea to build a blue box because a lot of college, a lot of college students at the time did that as well. Because blue boxes were, have been around for many, many years, long before uh, Steve Wozniak got his hands on one, and even before I got, a, got my hands on one. MIT students built it. They had a computer program, mm. a big computer that, that emulated the blue box and all that. And so, and after the demo, Steve says, well, why don't we call the Pope? <laughs> says, well, I guess you can do that. Let's go get the number. So I called Rome Information Operator, and I asked Rome to, I used the language digit English, so I got an English-speaking operator in Rome, and the English-speaking operator in Rome connected me to the Vatican, and then I, we talked to the Vatican through a translator, and the person at the Vatican says, but the Pope is not available right now. Now, Steve Wozniak said, this is Henry Kissinger. I, want, I need to speak to the Pope right now. I, I have to confess. That's what he told the receptionist at the Vatican. So after arguing with the receptionist about, well, about, about getting the Pope to actually wake up the Pope, to tell the Pope that he wanted to confess, and he was Henry Kissinger. Well, the Pope never did come on the line, but we had lots of fun trying. <laughs> there was great. another instance where Steve Wozniak's car broke down a couple mm -hmm. months later. Mm -hmm. And uh, Steve, uh, basically, he was with Steve Jobs and one other person. Uh, so Steve and Jobs mm -hmm. says, hey, let's see if the blue box works. So they called an 800 number. But every time they tweet got the call with 2600, the operator came on the line. Because back then, you had to, get, you had to have an operator dial a long-distance 800 number to get the call. You couldn't dial it direct yourself. You had to go through an operator. But mm -hmm. every single time you sent that 2600, the operator's supervisory lights flash. You have two lights on an operator switchboard, a light indicating whether your phone is hung up and a light indicating whether the called phone is being hung up or not. And if the light is on, it's, it, it's hung up. If the light is off, 
it's being picked up and the call is going through. So the operator looks looks for looks at her switchboard, and whenever you blow the 2600, the distant light flashes. So she thinks the call is done, or that you're trying to flash her on the line. So he got kind of paranoid, put the box away. And just about the time he was about ready to put a box away, a cop pulls up at the payphone. And they ask him, what are you doing? He says, well, my car broke down. I'm calling for help. And and he tried to he tried to pass the box on to Jobs by it, behind his back. A cop saw him. He says, what's that? And, the, and he says, oh, that's a synthesizer. I'm building a synthesizer for my project at UC Berkeley. <laughs> and the cop played around with the tones and says, it sounds like it's out of tune. He says, yeah, I know, because I haven't calibrated yet. I was on my way to Berkeley to, to, to go to the lab to calibrate it. <laughs> and cop passed it back to Waz and said, a guy by the name of Moog, M-O-O-G, beat you to it. Now, Moog, of course, is the people that make music synthesizers. <laughs> that's a nice and story. So, that's kind of like an interesting story. I, I, other stories that I like to talk about, too, and everybody always asks me about it, is, is one time, we, uh, this was long, long, this was much, much later on. This was after, after my first bust. I was uh, basically scanning 800 numbers. I was just dialing 800 numbers in the Washington, D.C. area. 800-424. 424 was a prefix for Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. So the free call numbers. Yeah, these are free 800 call numbers. 800-424 actually mapped to 202-456. Okay. So they use six-digit routing for the calls. Mm -hmm. And so we called the uh, – we, we got this – we were calling this number, and then we got this person that answered the phone, and he says, oh, my God, what's going on here? Well, why is this guy being rude to me? The guy says, get off this line. You're not supposed to use this line. And so we says, wow, that's interesting. Why is he asking us to get off the line when it's a toll-free number, and you want people to call them? Because that's why there are toll-free numbers. So companies can get people to call in for products, information, how to, you know, renting a renting mm -hmm. a U-Haul trailer or whatever you're going to do, you call an 800 number because it's free. Yes. Well, it turned out after a little bit of investigation, I got two weeks later, I called that number again. In my, and then I social engineered. I, I, I told the guy, this is White Plains for a toll switching tandem. We're having some trunk problems on this line. What, what have, who have we reached? And he says, you've reached the White House, sir. Ooh. White House, oh well, we'll get it fixed right away. Uh, oh my gosh, uh, what will we're gonna? We've had some problems on this line, and we're trying to figure out what's going on. We'll we'll be sure to fix it. Thank you very much, sir. And we hung up. Okay, then I wrote down White House eight hundred four two four nine three three six. That's the actual number, by the way. And so what had then what happened was uh, about two weeks later, I went to a I went to a phone freak party in L.A. and a phone freaks like to exchange. In information back and forth and they trade information and I wanted to get this conference number that would give me a, get me into a conference line and he says what do you have to trade I says well I have this White House CIA crisis hotline number would you like that one he says you have what and I have yes I have the CIA crisis hotline number this is the number you call whenever there's a crisis with the CIA and I gave it to him <laughs> and so even before I asked him not to do it, he was dialing the number, but he was looping through a bunch of trunks to prevent from being traced. Because when you call an 800 number, mm -hmm. your number always shows up to the person calling you. You mm -hmm. call, 
Mm-hmm. It, this was even before Caller ID came out. This ah, okay. was called ANI. ANI is even more powerful than Caller ID. You can't block ANI. If you do, the call won't go through. Mm-hmm. So, so Adam picks up the phone. Now, by the way, the way I found out that it was a CIA crisis hotline number is beforehand, I used an auto-verify. There, with a blue box, you could call. You had to get into the 202 exchange. I had to do key pulse 053 and then the last four digits of the phone number and then start. And it would drop in on the line mm-hmm. and then you would hear the conversation, but it would be scrambled. If you flash the 2600, you unscramble the line and you could hear the call in plain text. And so we monitored the call going in there. And we heard a call come through and they were asking for Olympus. Sure enough, I swear to God, it was President Nixon that came on the line. And so and so when, when my friend did it, I says, by the way, ask for Olympus. That's Nixon. He says, oh, you're kidding me. Go ahead, try it. So he did. And he got Olympus. Olympus came online and says, he says, sir, we're having, my friend said, sir, we have a national crisis on our hands. This is of utmost urgency, sir. We're out of toilet paper in Los Angeles. Please help us. (laughs) So anyway, uh, there was another incident, too, where we were pulling a prank. There was in Santa Barbara, there was using an old, general telephone step exchange and it's possible to dial simultaneously with two phones at the same time mm-hmm. and jam the selector trunk so you can grab the primary trunk when you grab the trunk you're actually sitting on the trunk but the trunk shows it's on hook which means that other people can grab the trunk as well but when they grab the trunk it still shows it's on hook so all of the people who are calling into Santa Barbara we were intercepting all their phone calls we were telling people who are calling into Santa Barbara that it that there was a nuclear accident and that this was a National Guard. Whoa. And so a lot of people were starting to call up and, and, and complain. Uh, you know, the press started calling. Then the National Guard started calling. And military people started calling. By that time, we got freaked out and we hung up. And it Whoa. showed up at LA Times. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So that's the prank that we pulled. But I didn't do it, actually. Uh, my friend Adam did that. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you... Um, no, because, I know I can answer some questions. <laughs> Let me ask you because because I read some books before about you and your stories and so on. So you mentioned it at the beginning that there were blue boxes before um, Steve created one. So you were not the guy who invented blue boxing because no, that's what's no, written in some books. Many books have said that, but I am the guy who I am the guy. Who had who was famous for using the blue boxes only because I was the I was the fall guy. I got busted. What okay. happened? Let me tell you how I got busted. Mm-hmm. One of my friends bought one of the blue boxes from Steve. Mm-hmm. I warned him not to buy the box because I told him that the box is not a very good box, and it, and it, and it, if you use it, you could you could get caught. Mm. He, he he ignored my advice, got the box instead, and we use, was using it from home. Oh. They put a pen register on his line. He got picked up on the box, and inside every one of Steve Wozniak's boxes, there's a little note, and it's when you go in to change the battery of the box, you open it up with two screws or four screws, and there's a little nine volt battery. Well, inside the the inside cover, there's a little note, and it says he's got the whole world in his hands. Was put that note in there, in the box. 
So then Richard, my friend, got busted. Okay. Ooh. So mm -hmm. they had a grand jury investigation. When they busted him, they confiscated all of his notes and notebooks and oh. boxes and electronic equipment, all that stuff. And my phone number was in his notes. Ooh. But my Ooh. phone number was in everybody's notes because after that, our Esquire article came out. Okay. The shit hit the fan. Once I read that article, I said to myself, well, it looks like phone freaking is that we know it today has ceased to exist. I gave up at that point. I took my box and I hid it. I didn't hide it well enough, unfortunately. They found it Ooh. when they busted me. Okay. That was when I got busted. I was arrested May 1972 Ooh. for the for the blue box, thanks to Waz's box that got me, that got uh, nailed on me. So my name was in everybody's phone directory. So mm -hmm. I was sort of like the quote-unquote kingpin. And when the Esquire article came out, they pumped me up and juiced me up to the point where I was a super kingpin, superhero kind of guy to the phone freaks. And that's what got me famous was that Esquire article. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And because of that, all of the notice. And I was very, very I – was, I, 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 I was showed up on everybody's radar, and, it's, and then they busted me. So um, I, I also read about that story on the books about you, and I wondered – um, I, I read in some book, some German book, which is called, I think, Hackerland, that said... Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I know the guy, too. Okay. Uh, let's see if I remember his name. Uh, what's his name? Can't remember his name, but I know exactly who we were talking about. I met him. He came <laughs> by and visited me. He actually gave me a gift. Uh, he got it from Disneyland. I'm looking around to see if I can see it. I don't see it. It's a little toy. It's a little soft rubber toy or a soft toy or something. He got it. Visited me in uh, in Disneyland. I saw him in Germany several times. We interviewed, mm -hmm. and it's only printed in German, not printed in English. That's But you're true. right. It's called Ackerland. Yes. Yes. True. Absolutely. Actually, I was planning to read it on the weekend before interviewing you, but you were kind of surprising me, like you can call me now. So I, I'm not prepared at all. I hope well, you, you caught me at a time. You caught me at a time where I've been offline for more than a week. My my laptop is down. The internet was down. <laughs> okay. I couldn't show up at all, and all of my other former business establishments have all been pretty much put on hold. Okay. And I'm now now starting to to go back and wake all these people up again and say, okay, I'm ready to do work again. <laughs> okay, great. It yeah. so happened that I saw you on uh, Skype and says, oh, this is a good time to talk. And so <laughs> yeah, it's, it was the same with Michael, um, Michael Tomshek from Commodore, you know, who, who I interviewed a few weeks ago. He was calling me at uh, 11. The blue box. Pardon? So, sorry, what, what did you say? Oh, at the moment the connection is a bit bad. There's probably <laughs> lots of blue books. Uh, can you hear me now? Yes, now I can hear. Hold you. on, just a second. I can hear okay. you again. There's lots and lots of of, uh, of blue box uh, programs on the Commodore, aren't there? I don't really know, but it's interesting that your your tech guys are also similar in like call me now. So I I, I was not prepared at all. Um, so anyway, the other question was which I was about to ask is if you did you continue I mean did you continue to tell people about blue boxing even though you were in prison I mean while you were yeah, yeah while I was in prison yes prisons are universities of crime okay in order for me to to survive in prison mm -hmm. I have to get in good 
with some of the biggest and meanest and nastiest people you could ever imagine in order to protect myself. So it's so really to... so it's really like in those uh, movies from America where you see such scenes. It's true. It's really like that. Absolutely. Okay. You can get butt fucked every day. They don't like you. Okay. It happens all the time. And one of the worst things you could do is snitch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, tell on somebody. That's the worst thing you could do. Okay. So anyway, so while I was there, I would have classes in the rec room. And I'd have to do it in a way, in such a way that the guards wouldn't see crowds of people around me. So I did this, I did this in such a way as to only just teach just small groups of people at a time. Mm -hmm. And I taught the Mexican mafia. I taught the other mafia people. I met and talked with a lot of uh, organized crime syndicate people because I was in the Lompoc Federal Prison. It's like a, it's like a, uh, it's like a, a camp. It's like a work camp. There's actually no walls. I could mm -hmm. walk off that camp. There, all there are is just very conspicuously pointed, painted signs that says off limits and you go beyond those signs you get caught going beyond those signs the first thing they're going to do is search you and that 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 area that you're allowed to go in during the daytime is expanded out to cover a large field so i can go out there and i can play frisbee i could do all kinds of really cool things you know and play football and sports and stuff like that at nighttime after dark that expanded area shrinks in to only cover the gym so i can only go to the gym up until 10 o'clock. Then after 10 o'clock, the only place I'm allowed to go is just between the A building and the B building. And that's it. And then the connecting the A and the B building, of course, is a dining hall, the chow hall. Mm -hmm. The food, I, I have to actually have to admit, the food was pretty darn good, almost as good as the food I had in the Air Force. Okay. It was on, it was on, it was on Vandenberg Air Force Base, by the way. Mm -hmm. So we saw a couple of rocket launches while, we, while I was there as well. Vandenberg you know, shoots off rockets and stuff. So, and so I was there for three months. I got out in, uh, I think it was in April, uh, April 76. Yeah, April 76. So it wasn't so long, actually. No, it was only there four months. Okay, okay. That's and pretty... since that time, I wrote Easy Rider program. Yes, I read I, that. I did my probation, so I had to go back to jail, but I went on a work furlough program. And the work furlough program allowed me to go out of jail to work on my program. And then just before I had to go back to home or back to jail, I would print out a hard copy of the program, and I went back and... As if I knew what I was doing, code on the computer as I had off the computer. So during the off the computer time, it, it forces me to actually think through things more carefully than I would if I were just staring at source code, you know, mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. looking at it on a screen. But looking at it on a piece of paper, I could scribble down and I can make notes on it. I can correct Hello? Hello? Yeah, I'm back again. Yeah, yeah, I'm back again. Okay, but the video is off. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Let's leave it off. Okay, sure. It'll be better. Okay. 
Oh, yeah, well, you, you're so connected. while I was at the work furlough program, mm-hmm. yeah, well, so while I was at the work furlough program, I would uh, uh, I would ride my bike. They'd actually let me have my bike there. I'd lock it up at the bike next to the jail at night. I'd ride my bike to uh, to go to where I worked, mm-hmm. and I had to make a fake job. I had to actually fake the funk, as it were. What is meant by that would be I had to have a job. Well, finding a job was pretty difficult to do. So mm-hmm. I, I, I manufactured a job. Some friends of mine at a practice studio, mm-hmm. quote, un- Okay. And now I can't hear you anymore. Guess the connection is bad again. Hello again. Yeah, okay, are you there now? Yes, I'm here. So you were speaking about about um writing work a program, you, writing a program right, in yeah. prison on on a hard copy paper. Right. I would print out the copy. But then I had to fake a job. I had to fake like as if I had a job. Mm-hmm. So I had a friend of mine who had a recording uh, had a uh, had a practice studio. Mhm. And they rented the practice studio out for money, and they had their own commercial checking account. Mm-hmm. So they wrote me a check for my monthly salary of six hundred and fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. Back then, that was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so then what they did was, what they did was, then it made it look like I had a job. Ah, and they okay. followed me to work and everything like that. They wanted to make sure I was working, and I was, you know. So I, they also even allowed me to take a jog after lunch, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and then I, as long as I showed up for work. But they also let me go to the, let me go to the Fourth West Coast Computer Fair, mm-hmm. and when I was at the Fourth Co- West Coast Co- Computer Fair, that's when I demonstrated Easy Rider for the first time, mm-hmm. and I had crowds and crowds of people. It mm-hmm. was a perfect symbiotic relationship. Oh, the symbiotic relationship was we. Uh, I, I, I used the booth at the, at the Apple Pie user group meeting called mm-hmm. Apple Pie, San Francisco Apple user group meeting. Mm-hmm. And uh, right next door was the fourth interest group because I wrote the program in fourth. Mm-hmm. So the people going to the fourth interest group booth would say, what applications have been written in fourth? They'd point to us over at, over at the Apple Pie booth. And the people at the Apple Pie booth would want to know what language has been written. Oh, it's in fourth. Go go over to uh, the go check next door. So and we were selling the copies for sixty nine dollars and sixty nine cents, and I made about two thousand dollars, maybe three thousand dollars in sales. We could we Whoa. couldn't copy the discs fast enough. They were going. okay. And then we ran across an information unlimited software, which is a marketing group. We had about ten people wanting to market the program, including Broderbund, mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of book companies. Hayden Books wanted to wanted it. A bunch of people wanted to market it, but we went with Information Unlimited Software because they had the best royalty. They were giving us 40% royalty, which was unheard of. Okay. And so we, were, we went with them, and that's where I made a lot of money. And in which year was that, actually? This was in 1979-1980. Okay. In 1981, IBM PC came out. We got <laughs> our IBM PC eight months before anybody else had it. Mm-hmm. Because IBM people were sneaking around looking for some people to do the word processor for their new IBM PC. Ah, okay. They came to us. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Bill, Bill, uh, Bill, uh, Bill Gates also wanted to do the word processor. We outbid Bill Gates. Whoa. 
Uh, yeah, so they went with us instead of Bill Gates. So we did Easy Rider on the IBM PC, and sales just fucking took off big time because we were bundled with the IBM PC. Every single IBM PC sold had a copy of Easy Rider with it. Oh, great. Because it was bundled with the IBM PC for the very first time. And so, but uh, we wanted one more, one more rev to come out, and that rev would have allowed us to be able to import our Easy Rider files to be acceptable by other word processors, but they, they refused it. They said, we're going to go with what you have. We got our schedule to keep. And so, and so we decided to go ahead and go with that. And I also read you worked for Apple for a while? Uh, I worked for Apple back before... I worked for Apple back in 1976. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 19, yeah, 1976, I did the telephone interface board for the Apple II. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had used... I think I'd used like 12 to 15 chips. Bosnia cut it down to like nine chips. Mm -hmm. He wanted me to use the, because you see there was an 8-bit DAC, which was kind of expensive, digital analog converter. He said, why don't you use a 6-bit DAC, and you can use the other two bits for the address line. Mm -hmm. huh? And he showed me some code how to do that. And so I wrote the software and the hardware for the telephone interface board. So one time, I finished the, I finished the little demo program, because Jobs wanted to demo the program the next day. So I finished it, and I, le and I left the card on Waz's desk, along with the floppy disk. Actually, no, back then it was it was a cassette tape. They didn't even have floppy disks back then. That's true. That's so true. he loaded the cassette tape in there and ran the program and ran this little integer basic program that would dial a number. So Waz played around with it, first of all, and then what he did was he reprogrammed it to call Steve Jobs' house over and over and over again, all night long. And then when I came into work the next day, Steve Jobs just got really pissed off. Uh, because he thought I, would, I was the perpetrator for doing that, that I wasn't the one. It was Steve that did it. And so I, I got a lot of flack from that. Okay. So, uh, and then also, the, uh, Randy Wickerton was working there at the time also, and Randy would put skunk smell on my chair. So whenever I sat down, I smelled like I'd been sprayed with a Ooh. skunk. Okay. Nasty stuff. The whole lab just reeked with skunk smell. Ooh, Jesus. And then Mark Markolo came. Mark, Mark, Mike Markolo came up and smoked in my office. How dare him smoke in my office? Back in, that, back in the day, you were allowed to smoke at the workplace. I don't know whether that's the same now in Germany or not. But yeah, it, you're, not, you're not allowed, you're not allowed to, to smoke inside most of the time. Yes, that's yeah, that's correct. I was really happy to find that out when I went back to Germany in 08. Unfortunately, Austria is still allows smoking. Germany does not. Yes, that's true. Still, I don't know. I hope Austria wakes up and has a no smoking <laughs> lot someday, but not now anyway. So that's pretty much it. That's pretty much as much as I have to give you right now. Mm -hmm. I think that ought to be a pretty good interview there for you. That's perfect. That's perfect. So, okay, yeah, so you let's, have... keep in touch. let's keep in touch by email. You okay. go ahead and you talk to those people over at the, uh, I will over at the revision event. Yeah. See if you could line me up as a speaker uh -huh. for Easter. Okay. But of course, I cannot promise you because I just make how... just just make the introduction. Uh -huh. That's all I'm asking you to do. Is okay. Just make the introduction, and I'll take it from there. I just want I just don't want that you are that you are disappointed if it doesn't work out because I don't know if it will, but I will do what I can. 
That's yeah. That I can. But maybe there's some other things you can do for me as a favor too. Maybe next time I come out there to see you, we'll figure something out. Great, great, good. Well, okay. I'm, I'm always glad to help. I think I think you figured that because I followed you on Facebook and I thought, hey, if I can do something for him, that would be nice. So. Great. Yeah, yeah, and I'll and I and I will be quick to let my Facebook fans know that 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 you are the one helping me out to do this thing. Okay, we'll see. Hey, I've got to go. I'm being summoned by other people in the house here, so I'm I'm going to break off at this point. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. uh, it's been a good interview, and I hope to catch you later. Okay, sure. Okay, see and you. By the way, if that magazine yeah. wants to give me some compensation for my interview, my well, PayPal is savecaptaincrunch <laughs> at gmail.com. Okay, I will remember that. See if you guys can collect that, take up a collection or something, okay? <laughs> we will see. We will see. I, right. will, I will keep that in. I won't cut it out. So no, don't worry. It will be okay. the complete interview. Okay? Okay, thank you very okay. much. You're welcome. Take care. See okay, you, you bye too. Bye-bye.